0: Tell your neighbor, God's got a plan. Say it like you mean it. Yeah. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. This city of Ephesus was under a major occult demonic oppression, stronger than many of the other churches and cities that Paul had traveled to. You read through the book of Acts, he spent three years in Ephesus. He spent three weeks in Thessalonica, three years in Ephesus. It's said that at the climax, climax of his stay in, in developing the church there that the witchcraft was so extreme that when they came to burn all the books of sorcery and exorcism and witchcraft that it, it, it uh, was about uh, $500,000 worth of books and amulets and scu- uh, little sculptures and tokens and all this stuff Artemis, or Veshtar, as we know her, Ishtar, uh, was the goddess over that city. And in that power over it, it says, Silvus, the metalsmith man, started a revolt against Paul and uh, had him beaten because, again, he had ruined the entire uh, uh, commerce and finance of selling idols in that city. There was such a reverse. And so the power of the Holy Spirit was so strong. So the letter to Ephesians is a letter that speaks of the magnitude of who the church is. And what Paul is saying in this next portion that we're looking at in Ephesians 2, uh, 11 through three thirteen, is that God had a purpose. There was a mystery from the beginning of time hidden in God. This mystery that God had hidden from all mankind and all people, was that God was going to bring together a purpose in the earth. God took a wife, and God, when he took that wife, she was Israel, she was Judah. This wife was unfaithful to God. In fact, so much so that she split off, and there were the ten northern tribes and Judah and Benjamin in the southern tribes. The ten northern, God, in fact, because of her adulterous, fornication with other gods he gave her a bill of divorcement and divorced Israel but the faithful wife that remained in Judah God married he married a wife so that he could have a child and that's the hidden mystery so that what God would do is bring together one new man he had set apart and it, and, he, and it says that what he did is that uh, he called israel out his wife to separate from all other people groups so that there was a division between judah and all other nations everyone else would be separated from the promise of messiah everyone else was alienated and separated from the wife of god israel everyone was strangers to the covenants of god there was no hope without god to these gentiles once all gentiles were afar off because israel the wife of god was close to the very presence and the shekinah of god who dwelt in her midst but everyone else was afar off there was a dividing wall of hostility between uh, god's wife israel judah and the gentile world but god had a plan through this purpose in marriage too in covenant with judah that he was going to birth a child and that was the mystery And this child was Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, amen? For Jesus came forth through Judaism. He is man, he is God. And so Mary is a symbol of that wedding of Israel to God and birthed Christ, Messiah, so that through this there would be the birthing of many sons of God. And that's what he says here, therefore remember at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, you were the uncircumcision, you were uh, not called by circumcision, which is made by the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at one time separated from Messiah, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in this world, but now in Messiah Jesus, you who were once afar off are now brought near by the blood of Messiah. For he himself is our peace who, broke, who made us both one and broke down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he made that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two making peace. It is through Messiah that when he hung on that cross, he was bringing together, and it was a mystery. Everyone didn't understand God's plan, but he was bringing together the Jews, or God's chosen people, and Gentiles, whosoever would accept Messiah, and birthing into one new man, both Old Testament and New Testament together, into becoming sons of God through Jesus Messiah. Now, this is what the entire New Testament is about. It's a struggle for Judaism to comprehend that we are no longer going to sacrifice animals. We are no longer going to need high priests and Levites. We're no longer going to need a temple. But what has radically changed is that Messiah came through Judah and died for us, and now our faith is in the Lamb of God, the true high priest, the true temple of God, which is in heaven, that Jesus is high priest of. Now that was hard for them to shift in their thinking and in their understanding. They had once tasted the things in the Spirit of God through the Old Covenant and the law. And the Gentiles were were pagans. They were dogs. They were lost. But now this gospel is open up to all because the circumcision of the flesh was only a symbol of what Messiah would do by circumcising our heart. And they had to catch up to that Understanding. Then you've got the Gentiles over here who lived under pagan demonic rule, worshiping idols, worshiping self and the desire of the flesh. And now they can come into salvation through Messiah Jesus. No longer is there going to be Israel separate from. The Gentiles, now there's one new body, one people, the church, the called out ones. That was the mystery that God had planned before the beginning of time. One new man, both Jew and Gentile together. What a miracle. Now the separation wall is gone. Because now we're all gathered around Jesus, the true law of God, the one word of God, the high priest. The lamb, the sacrifice, the bread, the life. He is all in all. And that's what Paul's saying. He abolished the law by fulfilling it and its ordinances to create peace between God and man and Jew and Gentile. And reconciled us both to God in one body through the cross. So that we would be one new man. That one new man is now called a son of God the body of Christ he came and he preached peace to you who were afar off that's the Gentiles and peace to those who were near those are the Jews for through him we both have access in one spirit to the father so then you Gentiles you are no longer strangers You were brought near to God through the blood of Jesus that cleanses from sin. He himself is our peace to the Father. We've been reconciled, both Jew and Gentile, to God through Christ. We now have access to the Father. We are no longer strangers and aliens to the covenants of God. Now all the promises of God are yes and amen to us. We are fellow citizens with Jews to the kingdom of God. And we are all now members of one household. That is absolutely radical. It changed human history forever and ever and ever. God does still care for Israel as a nation. He will restore it. And, but Israel cannot be saved unless it comes to Messiah Jesus. There is no other name by which men can be saved except through Christ. And the promise that all of Israel will be saved in Romans chapter 11 and in the book of Revelation to show it. But they must come to the revelation of Messiah Jesus. The Old Testament will save no one. It's the blood of Jesus that can only save. And so Israel must come to a knowledge. Now in the first century it was Israel. It was the apostles. They were all Jews. The whole first church was Jewish. Was the remnant of Judaism that came into Messiah. And that offer remains for any Jew and all of Israel to come to receive Jesus. He is their Messiah, Mashiach. And it is open to all Gentiles because there's only one new man. It made a new creation on planet Earth. There used to be two divisions of mankind. Israel and all Gentiles. Now... Well, there still remains two divisions, sons of God and the lost, those who are in Christ and the lost. We're a new species. We're a new people. We've got to get this, folks. We are a new people. You know, even Israel, in following after the Old Testament, throughout the entire Old Testament, they were still in the flesh. They were still sons of Adam. They did not have the indwelling Holy Spirit. It is only till Christ came and his blood spilt that he could ascend to heaven and offer the sacrifice for all sin so that the spirit of holiness could now dwell within mankind and make us all new creations. We were taken out of Adam and put in Christ. You're a new species. You're not in Adam. You're in Jesus. That separates us from everything else. You're a citizen of heaven. Mystery is amazing. And he came and preached peace to you who are afar off. Verse 19. So then you're no longer strangers or aliens. You're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And how is this household built? It's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And Christ Jesus is the very cornerstone whom the whole structure is built. Now he moves his analogy over to a building. And he says, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So we, the new creation of God, the one new man, uh, both Jew and Gentile, coming together under Messiah Jesus. Learning that salvation is of the Jews in the Old Testament, fulfilled in Messiah in the New Testament, the apostles and prophets are building the teachings of the kingdom through the apostles' doctrine. That's the New Testament. So that we would understand we're a household of faith. We are a place that is a household of God. And the whole structure is being joined together. It's still being joined together. How many of you know? You're a brick in this building. Living stones, Peter calls you. Living stones placed in the kingdom of God. Right here, we got a pile of bricks. But we're not just randomly in a pile. We are placed, Paul says in Corinthians, placed in specific order and specific positions. Each one of you finding your position in this body of Christ to be and to do and be a dwelling place for God's spirit. That's radical. Radical teaching on planet Earth. And it's amazing. Built on the apostles and the prophets of the New Testament and Jesus as the cornerstone, that is the gospel that we're proclaiming and that we're teaching. And that's what Paul says. He says, That's the reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace, that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Messiah, which was not made known to the sons of man and other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and members of the same body and partakers of the promise of Messiah Jesus through the gospel. There's the mystery. This was God's plan from the very beginning before the planet began, that he is going to bring a rescue to man's fall and man's sin and man's depravity, that when he chooses his own will, God is going to remedy that through his love, and he is going to call forth a people of all races, of all nations, to himself. And they will become his children. And they will become the bride to his son, Messiah Jesus. Father God took a wife to bear a son so that he could have a bride and be the body of Christ that would fill the earth with a demonstration of his love. That's the mystery. That's the mystery. Now that speaks to the overwhelming love of God. And he says this, of this gospel, I was, amazed, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I'm very, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of the Messiah. These, these riches are so vast that the Jews of the first century didn't grasp what messiah would be they thought he was just going to be a military right uh, might they thought he was just going to be a political leader that was going to set israel free from rome oh my gosh they had no idea the riches of his glory he was coming not to set man free from political rule he was coming to set man free from the power of sin and death the enemy of mankind from the beginning He wasn't coming just for Israel itself. He was coming for whosoever would. All of mankind could know salvation and be one with God and to be birthed as a new creation in Christ Jesus. All these riches were unsearchable. No one knew them, but you're searching them right now. You're searching the riches of God's depth and his love for your own life. Did you know God forgives of the mess that you made? Search it out, he does. Put all the mess together that we all have here. Every sin's in the house. You don't even know the unsearchable depth of sin that sits in these pews. But because of his love for you, you're discovering the unsearchable riches of forgiveness. I can tell anyone that walks in these doors, no matter what their sin is, they're forgiven. If they would come to Christ Jesus, he has forgiveness. He's got a remedy for their problem. I don't care what the problem is. There is no problem that the riches of his grace do not minister to. There's no depth that he has not already gone. He can forgive and minister and turn any life around. That's our message. That's the message that turned the world upside down. And That's what Paul's privileged to teach. And he says this, so that through the, this is what's amazing now. The, he says, though I'm the very least of the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things. There's the mystery. Hidden in God through all the ages. The Jews wanted signs. They wanted miracles. They wanted to know and wanted to see some, do some stuff for us, Jesus. He'll say, I'll I'll show you a sign. Son of man shall die and be buried for three days. You'll see the son of Jonah, the sign of Jonah. Buried in death for three days and he rises. This is the hidden wisdom and mystery of God. To the Greeks, they want intellect. They want knowledge. Well, God's wisdom seems foolishness to man but the wisdom of god is so brilliant and so unique that the law came embodied in christ jesus that he would live that law to perfection being born of a virgin outside of the curse of adam he came as the spotless lamb of god therefore having pure blood never tainted by sin living a perfect life taking the law and presenting it to god so that all of our sin could be put on him So that if all sin was put on him, he would be judged by God for our sin and therefore have to die. But yet, because he was sinless, spotless when he died, death had no right to hold him. So he broke its power. It's genius. So that you could die in him not having to die because if you die in your sin you're going to hell for eternity but you can die with him on the cross so that you would become a new creation born in christ out of adam and live eternally with him this is the mystery hidden and it's genius it's wisdom but to the normal eye you see a man hanging on a cross beaten and bruised and defeated but you don't know the mystery You don't know the depth of God's riches of his love. That's what the mystery is, that God so loved the world, he gave his son. This mystery is so astounding, so rich. Why do we back away from this story? Why do we let those who are lost in darkness and lost in sin ridicule this message and we back away from it? It's the genius of God. It's the brilliance of what he's done. And it's the demonstration of his love for us. Oh, we can't back away. And he says this, this. This is what I love. He says this. So that through the church, that's us, lost now found. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God. Manifold, it's not a muffler. It's not on the back end of a car. The manifold wisdom of God. That's the multifaceted wisdom. Riches of his knowledge and wisdom, so that the manifold wisdom of God, hmm, that mystery hidden, now needs to be revealed through the church. The manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. You're on display. What the church is doing is displaying what was hidden. For centuries and centuries and centuries, no one understood God's plan. No one even understood it. Even the disciples didn't get it. And even after the resurrection, they didn't get it. They had to get the Holy Spirit in them, and they still didn't get it. It had to unfold and unfold. It's like you and I. The majesty of Christ is still unfolding in our lives. I I hope it is with you. I hope you haven't put God in a box on a shelf somewhere. I hope you haven't said, I know enough now. I read through the Bible 13 years ago, and now I understand That's fine. This thing is rich. The riches of his wealth. It is manifold and it is supposed to be on display in the church and it is being demonstrated to all the spiritual rulers in wickedness in high places and even to the angels in heaven. They don't understand this love. They were created to worship and they worship. They don't know a love like you know from the Father. They don't understand that you could walk away from God and is reaching for you, reaching, and you turn back to Him and He fully embraces you in His love. And your heart bursts for the love of God and His patience with us and His care for us. And that which was lost and that which was defeated is now on display for everyone to show the love of God. That's what we are, Church. Why have we silenced ourselves in this day and age? We're called haters. Are you kidding me? Haters? We demonstrate the love of Christ. What we're trying to tell you is that no matter what the sin is, there's a remedy. And there's a God who loves you. Are you so confused you don't understand your gender? I don't want to make fun of you. I don't want to ridicule you. I want to help you understand that there is a God who could straighten out those questions for you. Amen? He loves you so much. He loves you so much, no matter what the sin, no matter what the failure. And the church is on display. We're on display. All the imperfections, all the warts and pimples, all the ugly, disgusting, uh, uh, despicable stepchild that we are have been adopted by a loving father. And he's changed our lives. We love him. This is what broke the back Of the occult powers in the city of Ephesus. A love that forgives and exalts God. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. He says this was according to the eternal purpose. That he has realized in Messiah Jesus our Lord. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you don't lose heart. Over what I'm suffering for you, which is for your glory. So this morning, folks, don't lose heart. This mystery has now been revealed, and the church is the demonstration of a love so rich and so real. This church isn't going to go out. It's not going to be extinguished. It's not going to be snuffed out. It's not going to be. It can be ignored by the world, but I'm telling you, where sin abounds, grace is going to much more abound. You cannot sustain this culture that we're in. It cannot be sustained. Financially, it's going to be bankrupt. Morally, it's going bankrupt. Intellectually, it's in utter imbecilic stupidity. It cannot be sustained. The thinking is ridiculous. Every aspect is unsustainable to a culture there's one thing that's a rock and a cornerstone built on a foundation and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. They tried to tear this building down in Russia. Communism tried to destroy it as best they could. They killed as many Christians and put them in the gulag. They tried to get rid of it but I'm here to tell you the church is still standing and communism is falling. The Chinese church The Chinese church is is greater in number than ever before in its history. And China has tried repeatedly to destroy the church, destroy the church, destroy the church. They have over civilizations and other countries and other nations have repeatedly tried to destroy the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's still here and those nations are gone. It's unsustainable. Sin is unsustainable, but the grace of God abounds and will never cease to mankind. And the church is the manifold demonstration and witness of that love. Don't ever, don't ever pervert the witness of the church to become a pharisaical judgment seat. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ whose blood washes us clean don't lose heart in this day and hour you're essential you're a loving a living stone in the building and a demonstration of Christ Jesus so shine like the ruby shine like the sapphire that you are how could God use me how could he use someone like me a wretch like me that's the point. He puts you on display as a changed creature from what you were. Amen? Hallelujah. How dare, we, how dare we kick our wounded? How dare we crush our wounded when in fact it's the wounded he came for? We must re- receive them, raise them up, and restore them that's what God's doing with us hallelujah and he goes on come on I can't stop let's keep going he says for this reason I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven on earth is named we have a father here and this father is the father of all Christians there's no denominations in the kingdom of God that's a human invention Got your Catholic, got your Protestant, got your Methodist, got your Baptist, got your Pentecostal, got your this, got your that. All fractured body of Christ. There's one father and one family in Christ Jesus Messiah. we got sibling rivalry. We're always, he touched me. I'm not going to sit next to that, but I'm not going to go next to that person. But there's one father. I know we've got differences, and there are theological differences. In-house arguments, I get it. But there's coming an hour, I'll tell you what, that one thing that eliminates all the fractured in the, in the denominations of the church is persecution. Yes. At that point, you need each other. We're not going to argue anymore if we sprinkle or dunk. We're just going to get together. And we're going to worship. There's one father. And that's important. That's why Paul said it over that city of Ephesus. Because that goddess, that female goddess, Artemis or Veshtar, that was over that city was called the mother of all. The mother of heaven. And Paul says, I don't think so. There is no mother of heaven. There is no queen of heaven. There is no other goddess. There is no other power. There is one father over the one family that is in Christ Jesus. Amen? And he says, I bow a knee... I bow a knee that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you may be rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what he's praying for. That we would begin to grasp by the power of the spirit within us because it's it's unfathomable, it's unknowable by our, our own human abilities. That we would know this love. Here's the mystery that God loved the world and he gave the son. That he had a plan from the beginning to display his love through Christ. It's been 2,000 years that Christ has been on display. And God doesn't have a problem with keeping him on display. So that more would be saved. We're all sitting here going, oh Jesus, come back now. Come on, finish this thing, come back now. But what about more people coming to Christ? Could you endure a little longer so that more would be saved? Uh, so that your children and your children's children and your aunts and your uncles and your cousins and your neighbors, that they may come to Christ. He said, I want by the Spirit of God that you would begin to search the unreachable, unsearchable dimensions of this love. Height and depth and width and breadth. He's looking at all perspectives. He's looking at all dimensions that the love of God fills in our lives. And we need the Holy Spirit to even begin to comprehend this. And he goes, may uh, now, as a benediction, he says this, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You are the manifold wisdom of God. The wisdom is his love demonstrated. When this thing is over, when the lights turn on, and when all of creation is finished and Christ returns, we will be amazed at the design of perfection that he did through all the ages to demonstrate his love. The wisdom by which he did it. So don't lose heart. Don't give up. He is demonstrating his love in your life working through all the tangled mess that we've brought in and all the free will of man that's brought in with it, he's weaving something so beautiful, so amazing, that if you would search it out, you couldn't go high enough, wide enough, deep enough, long enough to find you'll see the love of God and the wisdom by which he's bringing it so that there would be, here it is, the glory of God in the church. You are here for the glory of God. Let there be glory in the church. The glory of God in the church is when the church demonstrates the gospel of Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of sins. The reason Jesus heals is to bring people's lives into a greater appreciation of his love. Why he doesn't heal in this situation is because he's working the wisdom of his love in that person's life to bring about a purpose of glory. Glory is the main function that you and I should be operating in. There's one reason you get up in the morning. There's one reason you endure your hardship. There's one reason you're working through your troubles and getting all the stuff in your heart and mind in order. There's one reason. It's to bring glory to the love of God that is always on display. Don't give up. This mystery is now revealed. It's no longer a mystery. For 2,000 years, the earth has been having a pillar of light in it called the church. And it's time for us to regain our foothold and our positioning. And it starts with each one of you living stones built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Give him glory. Give him glory in your life. Give him glory with what's going on. Search the riches of his love. Let's bow our heads this morning. Oh, you're a good, good father. Oh, my good Father, search our hearts. Search our souls. To him be glory in the church. Hallelujah. Oh, glorious Father. I pray right now for each of your children, oh God. For each person in this room. Each person here is a testimony to your love and to your glory this isn't this isn't based on how much you know it's based on who you know this isn't based on how much you've done it's how much he's done in you this isn't based on I'm better than that other person I didn't sin as much it has nothing to do with that it's all based on there being glory In your life of who he is. He is your glory. Christ in you is the hope. Of glory. I want you just for a minute. To ask the Holy Spirit. To expand your knowledge. And height. And width. And breadth. And depth. Of the love of God. God would you give us an understanding of these deep riches? This is a time between you and Jesus right now.